Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast. Once again, this is Varun, joined with Vikram and Guru, and it's been a while since we did an episode and a lot to talk about. The NBA season is starting in about a week. And a lot happened in the offseason. LeBron moved. Kawhi moved. DeMar DeRozan moved. All the big stars moved. DeMarcus Cousins went to the Warriors. Who saw that coming? Paul George stays with OKC to get another championship run. But let's just start from the most recent thing, which is Jimmy Butler. Might be another superstar who moves. Hot off the press, he's requested a trade from the T-Wolves. And we, we, we've all already talked about this quite a bit. But let's just get your initial reactions for his trade request, starting with Vikram. Well, the trade request itself makes sense to me if you feel like uh, the team that you're on doesn't provide you an opportunity to win and doesn't really care about you as a player, uh, you might as well request the trade. I thought his, uh, his antics at practice were, were rather uh, interesting. Pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm going to get on the third team and kick the crap out of, uh, out of the two players who I think need to work harder. And so uh, can, I you think... Can, uh, you can say their names. You don't have to be worried about... Oh, yeah, retribution from Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not real yeah. worried about that. I'm, I'm really not, uh, given the fact that they couldn't even uh, face up to Jimmy Butler. I think the most telling part of that story was Jimmy Butler tells Carl Anthony Towns when he posts him up, you're going to pass it out. And what does Carl Anthony Towns do? He actually passes it out. I mean, I think that's the type of thing where Jimmy Butler is like, why do I want to play with these guys? And so he requested a trade. Do I think he's behaving unprofessionally? Yes. That's not how I would approach the situation. Who, who would know? Is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, who would know that the practice he comes back, he has Ray, he has Rachel Nichols on a plane to come interview him before the practice even starts, and he takes the third, third stringers and beats up Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. I mean, we sort of saw this like brewing. We sort of, sort of saw this brewing last year. You saw that the chemistry was sort of off. The team was not as good as it was supposed to be, at least by Jimmy Butler's standards. And uh, now Jimmy Butler wants out, and uh, why are we surprised? Yeah, well, the reality is Jimmy Butler carried that team, right? With him in the lineup, they're they're a third seed team in the West. When he is out, they barely play fifty fifty ball. Yeah, they had to play off team in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Jimmy Butler. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, and you have one of the most talented players in the game in Carl Anthony Towns offensively, and one of to to take a page out of Jimmy Butler's uh, book one of the most God-gifted players in Andrew Wiggins, who is now going to earn $25 million this year, he's got to perform at some point. So I understand Jimmy Butler's point. Like, hey, you're being paid like a star. You have a lot of gifts. You know, work. You know, work your butt off. Do something. So I, I understand why he's asking for the trade. And I think he actually said this. Um, well, maybe he didn't publicly say it, but it was reported that he said, how are you going to beat the Warriors with two puppies on my team? 
Hence, <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins being the puppies. They're not dogs. They're not good. They're, they don't have that. They're you not know, timber aggressive... wolves. They're, they're not timber wolves. Yeah, they're or not timber wolves. puppies. They're puppies. Yeah, exactly. They don't that's, have that aggressive that's clever. qualities in them to take them past the Warriors. I mean, even if they did, I don't know if they would still get past the Warriors. But, I mean, it gives you a good idea of what Jimmy Butler wants in the team and the kind of culture he wants to be in. And obviously, you're not getting that with the Wolves. Now, that's why they hired Tom Thibodeau, but after, what, two or three seasons, that hasn't transpired. I mean, that's why they wanted that grit, grit and grind defensive mentality. But after three seasons or so, nothing has happened there. I mean, they're still a really bad defensive team. It's very clear that apart from Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau does not vibe with the other players on the team. Well, Taj Gibson. Well, okay, Taj Gibson. Jeff Teague's actually okay with that, too. And I'm sure Derrick Rose is part of that conversation yeah, as well. And <laughs> Yeah, any of the Timber Bulls are all probably okay with this because they this is how they, they're brought up into the league. I think the big thing here is like a generational issue. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau, the old guard. Even when uh, Jimmy Butler was on the Bulls, right, there was all that drama where he, Dwayne Wade, and Rajon Rondo had opinions about the young players on the Bulls. And this is this is a real thing. It's a real problem, I think, now, uh, where you have the older players having a particular perspective uh, in terms of generational issues. Uh, relating to their younger teammates and how they want to be treated and how they want to be talked to and how they want to play in general. So I think these are all problems and issues that I think Jimmy Butler would have no matter, almost no matter where he went. That's why I think the Miami is a good fit for him. Right. And so now that we sort of know that Jimmy Butler is going to be traded at some point, we don't know <clears> when. I mean, the Timberwolves always come up with ways to mismanage the situation, but he's going to be traded. Is Tibbs not far behind in that timeline getting traded not getting traded but like fired. you know getting fired not being with the Timberwolves I mean, I, yeah, so here's the thing I don't understand the dynamic there between the owner the GM and the coach uh, I don't know if Glenn Taylor gullible Glenn Taylor which is my new nickname for him I mean I because I mean there's that whole Andrew Wiggins story which I won't get into right now actually maybe I'll get into it later but he I don't know exactly what he's been doing with this franchise I mean once again it starts with the top I mean there are really bad owners in the league like Glenn, I mean, Glenn Taylor, he's maybe not uh, James Dolan type bad or Vivek Maradiva type bad, but he's not making the best moves, in my opinion. Or he himself doesn't really know what he's looking for. What was your so, first clue? What was my first? Well, I mean, I never really paid attention to it, to Glenn Taylor. Right? Oh, no, I'm, I'm I mean, being after, totally After I'm being KG totally left, I, mean, I could care less about the Wolves. So, I mean, that, that, you know, that, that's fact. So I, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, like he's saying that, hey, uh, try and get the Butler trade done, and if... If Tom Thibodeau or Scott Layden aren't doing it, then you contact me. But uh, nothing's happening. So I'm, I'm just curious what the hell is going on over there. Right. It's, so, I mean, I have, I have nothing more to add to that. Yeah. So you think Butler ends up with a heat? I think that's the only team that actually is willing to give up any real assets for him and will be willing to give up any real assets for him. Because I think the one thing we have to understand is the mindset of the league is that the Warriors are probably going to win this year. And probably? given Probably. Probably? Yeah. Probably. They will. Okay, fine. Sure, <laughs> they will. I mean, let's, I mean, the no, Celtics I mean, might have a really good chance. It, I mean, it's being all, a it's all fan, on injuries, man. Yes, it's but, all on injuries, right? Like, assuming everybody stays healthy. But that's a big assumption, right? Like, what happened to the, the Rockets in the playoffs with Chris Paul, sure, right? Sure. You never know. So, in that sense, I, I say probably because there is always a chance for a catastrophic injury uh, or something bad happening for the team or for other teams mm-hmm. in the league. So, you know, that in that perspective, I'd say probably. Uh, but what I'm trying to get at here is is pretty important in the sense that Teams are trying to build for two, three, four years down the road. And in that construct, 
it does it really make sense to re-sign Jimmy Butler, for example? That's the question. Right. And I mean, if if you're going to re-sign Jimmy Butler, he would be you would have to be your number two guy if you were really serious about contending for uh, contending in the playoffs. Right. I would mean like I, I, think, I don't think I don't think Jimmy Butler is the number one guy. I, I think we are all in common agreement on on that part. He would have to be your number two. But where exactly is he getting the opportunity? Maybe a team with two max slots could give him that opportunity. Who knows? Well, who really is the number one guy in the league? I mean, aside from LeBron, who else is really the number one guy? KD. KD, but he had to pair up with another number one guy in Steph Curry. I mean, that's yeah, his I choice. Think he, I so think... I, I actually, like, the number one guy I think keeps coming up. I, I just don't think, I think the only true number one guy in the league is LeBron James. So I think Anthony Davis is not a number one guy? He's a, well, when you say number one guy, I assume you're talking about in terms of championships. Like, can he get you to a championship? Okay, so I mean, what is your definition I mean, of a number one I mean, one no, guy? because there's only one team who can win a championship a year. I guess, like, what I mean by it is, like, a franchise so I think player you can build around. So here's here's what I think. I think you need another player who is in, at a similar level to Jimmy Butler. And I think with two or three of those, you can have a shot at a championship. When we say number one guy, I think Jimmy Butler has to be the number one guy because that's his mentality, right? He's like that Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, except not as good. And that's kind of the problem, right? If he was that good, then you know people could put up with his you need to do this, you need to do that attitude. And so because he has that, he has to be on a team where he actually can be the undisputed number one guy. And so in order for that to happen, there have to be a number of players who are very good, but not as good as him around him. And so from that perspective, the heat fits perfectly. Right. So I wanted to get back to the Wolves for just a second. Yesterday on the group chat, you brought up a good point about Carl Anthony Towns. You want to tell our audience you gotta remind me what i said yeah i think i think you said something to the effect of carl anthony towns was the number one player who you to build your franchise around for the past couple of years oh yeah yeah so what i was saying was there wasn't every year the the gms do a survey and right. and so the last two years there's a question that says if you could start a franchise today which player would you select for the last two years cat was the nut was the most voted player by the gms this year he got zero votes now I know his. I, we talked about it. I know his defense is not very good, but I think as Guru had brought up, his reputation played a big, big part in it. He, and his recent reputation, yeah, like his. I mean, reputation for being soft, and yeah. that's and mainly coming yeah. from Jimmy Butler, not from anybody else. Well, I think his performance in the Rocket series, getting dominated by Clint Capella, probably uh, built that too. That yeah. too. I, I think to be honest. You expect somebody to show some improvement defensively over three or four years. Especially you have Thibodeau as your coach, yeah, when you, Jimmy when you Butler a, as your mentor. Yeah, you actually have like personnel there. You were mentored by Kevin Garnett, one of the best defenders in NBA history. Like You would expect for there I to like be... I like that. Yeah, can you say that again? One of the best defenders <laughs> in NBA history, Kevin Garnett. All right, cool. And I think that's a totally fair point to say. But realistically, I think people expect more out of Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. But Carl Anthony Towns has the chance to be the best offensive big man in NBA history. I, I think that's pretty fair, assuming he can continue to develop on the I, offensive end. I, I thought that too, but if you're looking at the changing of the guard of the NBA, I think this draft really, really showed it. You never really had a big with the inside-outside game like Carl Anthony Towns had when he came into the league. Sure. But now it's like you have DeAndre Aiden. Yeah, but we have no idea. Jaron Jackson. I'm not saying they're at the level of Towns yet, but they, I mean, it's showing that like big men are starting to work on that facet of the game. So it might not be as special 
for a big man to come out like and be able to yeah. shoot threes oh, sure. two or three years in the future. But so that, that's Anthony part of it, I think. something like 40% from three. Huh? He's shooting some pretty de- like yeah. pretty beastly percentage out of three. Oh, yeah. I think he, he, I think he will be the most offensively talented version of that. And I think he's got a lot of athletic gifts on top of that. Like, given his, his talent and his mentality and just in general, like, what he's got, he should be able to defend at a high level. But he doesn't. He chooses not to. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I think this should be resolved soon from what we're understanding. But Jimmy Butler is going to report to Minnesota. He's going to play the regular season with Minnesota. So maybe Tom Thibodeau might not be very motivated to move him anytime soon. Very possible. <laughs> Tom we'll, Thibodeau we'll, doesn't really we, want to be there either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll find that out. We'll find that out in the probably the coming months. All right. LeBron James to the LA Lakers was probably the worst kept secret the entire year. Now it's happened. And so the Lakers, a 35-win team, get LeBron James. Then they got Lance Stevenson, Rondo, JaVale McGee, Michael Beasley, what a great starting five. And then uh, uh, they have all their young talent. So, that, you know, they've got, they've got a good team there. I mean, thank God and, that's not their starting five. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that would have, have been hilarious. <laughs> you might see that starting five, though, at some point. You know, I mean, during the game. Those five players on the court together. Hmm. But, um, I mean, I think, you know. I, I think, hope not. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, the question is, is this, uh, do you think uh, the Lakers will need, do you think they can win in, this, in these next four years with LeBron? Because the Warriors are still up there, and, and assuming though, even if the core breaks, like if Katie leaves, right. I think the I, I, I assume that one. your definition of winning is winning a championship. Yes, right. And the Warriors are not the only competition to that. I would say the Celtics are competition. The Sixers are competition. Well, let's say make the, let's goal. say make the finals. Make the finals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, sure. I mean, after the Warriors and the Rockets. It's pretty much wide open in the West. I mean, you can you can climb a couple of spots pretty pretty easily. And listen, I mean, you're talking about the Lakers. They have put a lot of trust in their young guys by signing all of these surrounding role players. They're like they want their young players to show them something this year. And I think I mean it's going to be Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, who I'm very impressed with, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's going to be a pretty good player in this league. And obviously Kyle Kuzma. I think I think those players are going to have the opportunity to come around. And if they do come around, oh, yeah, I forgot Brandon, Brandon Ingram Ingram, yeah. Ingram as well. Those players are going to have the opportunity to come around this year. And if they do, in fact, come around this year, this team could be as good as a as a, as a three seed or even a four seed in, in the West this year. And if that happens, they will be, be able to make a better prediction on their prognosis going forward. I think, Vikram, you, you're a Lakers fan. Do you have any... Thoughts on this? Looks dead, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, I. uh, So I think the Lakers have an interesting blueprint. Uh, I think what they're doing with LeBron James is kind of taking away. uh, You know, the the conventional wisdom about LeBron James was, "Hey, we're going to surround you to a bunch of shooters, let you create the offense, control the ball, kick out to an open shooter. That's our offense." Uh, In this context, the Lakers have said, "Hey, we're going to surround you with playmakers and other types of players, so that the the full offensive burden is not on you." Uh, I think it's a. I, I'm yet to see how that's going to work out, but I've really enjoyed watching them in the preseason, actually, and their pace and how they're running and doing other types of offense. I think the Lakers have to be one of the top two or three teams in fast break points for them to be successful. Uh, but they certainly have the personnel to be able to do that uh, defensively. I think they've had, they have to. Well, both offensively and defensively, they kind of have to figure out their center situation. Uh, I think that's that's probably the the biggest hurdle I see because I I don't think LeBron James wants to play center, mm-hmm. and I think Kyle Kuzma and Michael Beasley at center is not a great look, 
And at the end of the day, you have 48 minutes that you have to distribute at the center position. JaVale McGee will give you maybe 20, but that's it. And right. so you have to have another 28 minutes of center play that doesn't absolutely shoot you in the foot every single game. And Varun, you talked about the Warriors. I, I think like the Warriors could be up there for three or four more years, or this year could be their last year. They're, I mean, if if Kevin Durant wants out, if uh, if they sign Clay Thompson to a max deal, and Draymond Green is not getting their ma- not getting the max deal, all of a sudden that team is not the same team, and the Lakers could be right on that doorstep when that supposedly happens. I'm not going to say it will happen, but the Lakers have a unique opportunity to, to you know examine their team team this year and just like work out what the future is going to look like based on, of course, what the Warriors or the Rockets look like. And I think one of the things we have to look at is the Warriors will age out eventually. That's the first thing. Second thing is I don't think the Rockets are going to be, you know, I think they're going to be good this year. I don't think they're going to be near as good as they were last year. And I think they're a Chris Paul injury away from being fairly bad in, in the context of the, of the West standings. And so given that construct again, the Lakers are pretty close, right? Right now with their roster, they're probably fighting for a playoff for somewhere between the third and eighth seed, right? And last year, that was two games difference between the third and the eighth seed. So given that, they could be as high as the third. They could be out of the playoffs. But let's say they added like an Anthony Davis. Then what? They add another star. They add another bonafide star. Then they're fighting against uh, a watered-down Warriors team, a team with a 35, 36-year-old Chris Paul. More importantly, they get another star while keeping their young players. Exactly. And then they have, uh, I mean, I think the Utah Jazz are actually going to be an interesting impediment to their way. I think they're going to be a good team that's going to take several important steps forward this year with Donovan Mitchell. So I think that's that's the type of thing that's going to be hard for the Lakers. And then once they get to the finals, I think Philadelphia and Boston are going to be going to be tough. Although Boston in particular is going to have to make some interesting decisions with playing time this year and also contract situations in the future. So there are all sorts of these funny issues that people are going to have to get past. Varun? Uh, you know, I was, I was looking at the Lakers roster and I think I mentioned it to you Guru, that I think Le- LeBron's entire career, I don't think he's ever had this good of a defensive team around him in his entire career. I mean, Brandon Ingram is a pretty good defender. I, mm-hmm. I didn't think so initially, mm-hmm. but I've seen some of his play recently and he's, he's, he's pretty damn good. He's good. And he's long and lanky. McGee's a good rim protector. Rondo's a good perimeter defender. Then you have KCP who's a pretty good defender. So there are some good defenders on this team and um, I think that's something that LeBron has never had. And so that would be very interesting to watch in the playoffs because a good defensive team is always going to give you a really good shot. Uh, we saw with Utah. Utah played pretty damn well in the playoffs, even though they lost, I think, in five or six games to the Rockets. I think they had a pretty good playoff run. So a good defensive team, if this is a top 10 defense, then I think the Lakers can have a pretty successful year. Yep, and just to add on to that, Lonzo Ball is one of the best defensive point guards in the league. Okay, excuse me? Lonzo Ball is one of the best <laughs> defensive point guards in the league. From last year? Yeah. If you look at his numbers, he's, I, just, he's, I didn't I watch much. He's, he's, he's I, terrific. I, I actually don't he's know. way better than Rajon Rondo. I, I think he shows a lot of defensive potential, and uh, he's definitely gotten stronger. Yeah. So, no, yeah, if, I mean, so I, I think talking the, about that. I think the, there's, there's a lot of confidence in his ability to play defense at the NBA level right. at, against point guards. Right. But, okay. He's tall and lanky. Yeah. I think I think we agree on all of that. I think the big thing with the Lakers this year is that when they hit that inevitable losing streak, 
Yeah. Do they start to lose it? And, and I mean, that's going to decide their season because, as you said, there, only two, there was only a two-game difference between three and eight, three, third, third and the eighth seed last year. I don't think it'll be much different this year. So, like, going on a losing streak could drop you out of the playoffs. Well, that's so, where LeBron's going to help. LeBron's yeah. going to help. All these veterans are going to help. And, you know, so, so yeah, I, I agree that they're eventually yeah. going to make the playoffs. It's just, like, what seed? You sure, know. yeah. Just how far do they go? Right. Sure. Uh, Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors. So, that... I, 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 we had heard rumblings, I guess, throughout the season. I didn't think at one point, I mean, you, you I think the rumors picked up about him wanting to leave. Um, I really did not believe it until it actually happened that he got traded to the Raptors for DeMar DeRozan and Yaka Pertle. So Kawhi to the t- Toronto was pretty interesting. He's on a one-year deal, so he could leave at the end of the season. So it's like the Paul George thing all over again. And Toronto, I think I love the move. I mean, the, they gave it to Marta Rosen, but you get a two-way star who was, when healthy, we were talking about him being the a top three player, maybe the second best player in the league. So I think it's a great move to, for Toronto. And you add him with Kyle Lowry. And Kawhi is also a shooter. So, I mean, he's the, he's the full package. So Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, who they got from San Antonio, who's going to be very key. Then uh, Jonas Valanciunas. And then I don't and know they get to keep OG guys. and Enemy. Yeah. And Serge Ibaka. Norman Powell. And then they Fred have Fred Van Fleet. Fleet. So they have a pretty deep roster. And I think they, Pascal Siakam. they were a top 10 defense last year without Kawhi Leonard. So they're going to be a pretty good defense this year as well. And I mean, I just mentioned, I think a good defensive team can take you far in the playoffs. So I think Toronto will have a lot of success this year. But what do you guys think? Are you, are you asking for Toronto as a team, or what do I think of the Kawhi move? You can do whatever you want. Okay, well, I'll, I'll take Toronto as a team first. They're definitely a very interesting team. They kept their depth through the Kawhi Leonard trade. I think, they, I think they had that leverage because the Spurs had to get rid of Kawhi, and they were providing by far the best option for option for that. So they got to you know keep their depth while acquiring Kawhi. Um, and, I mean, I, I mean, as you said, they were a pretty good defensive team last year. They're arguably better this year. They're a pretty deep team that last year. They're a pretty deep team this year. It's just that when they get to the playoffs, what kind of team are they? And that's that's really going to decide their season. It might be unfair, but that's I mean I mean that's the story of the Raptors. Like come playoff time, what kind of team are you? It's not about the regular season for them anymore. It's about what kind of team are you come playoff time? Are you Jurassic Park or are you Land Before Time? That's funny. That's a good one. Uh, with them as well, I think it's all about their new coach too. I have no idea. So Nick Nurse was given a lot of credit for their uh, their offensive strategy and a Last lot of that year, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was. I mean, gen- in general, that's like his role is as the offensive guy. Uh, I have no idea what he's going to do on defense. I imagine they're going to keep the same system that they had from last year, which was effective. And I think Kawhi Leonard can only help your defense. So from that, in that respect, I think they're going to be good there. I like the move for both sides. It was clear that there was a, a fracture in the relationship between the Spurs and and Kawhi. And so it's good that they were able to move him. I think the Spurs did okay, too, getting back to Mar DeRozan and Yaka Pertl. I think Pertl is a really, really good piece. I think if the Raptors had been able to keep him, they would have been happy to do so as well. So I think it was a good it was a good move for both teams, and I think it'll help them both long-term uh, as far as where they're going to go. I think uh, from the Spurs' perspective, I really hope they're a playoff team this year. I really do. I don't want that streak to come to an end. Well, I mean, DeJounte Murray's out for the year, and then uh, Lonnie Walker, their rookie, is going to be out for a while, and then Derek White is out for two months. Yep. So, <laughs> but Greg Popovich is good at this. So, so I mean, he's a wizard. We will see. I mean, they won 47 I mean, games. 
with LaMarcus Aldridge and a bunch of old people. So let's see what they do this year. Yeah, that's the question. I, I, It's kind of like the LeBron thing. You can never vote against LeBron. You can never really vote against the Spurs either. Uh, I think everybody wants to count them out, but I think they're going to be pretty good. I mean, I think they'll be a playoff team. Mm. Do you trust Greg Popovich or do you trust CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, for example? Uh, <laughs> tough question. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it, and that's why there's a chance that they're actually still in the playoffs, right? Right. If anyone knows how to throw a bunch of G Leaguers together and make it work, it's, it's Greg, Greg Popovich. Popovich. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, I mean, if you think about it, he's been doing it for years. When he rested Tim Duncan, Monte Ginobili, Tony Parker, those are the guys who were playing. Yeah. And they played pretty well in like competitive regular season games. So I mean. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'll see. Like, how did the Spurs stack up with this competitive Western Conference? Right. And how does De- DeMar DeRozan fit into pop system? Because not everybody fits into pop system. Uh, if you were Richard Jefferson, never did. I mean, there, there are a couple of guys who don't. And maybe DeMar DeRozan is one of those guys. I mean, well, it's a wait and see thing. He's looked with, pretty with good the Spurs in the preseason right so far. I mean, yeah. I know it's preseason, know, yeah. uh, but... One thing that I really like about Greg Popovich over almost any other coach is his ability to adapt. I really appreciated him adapting to LaMarcus Aldridge's game. Like, LaMarcus Aldridge isn't going to change his style. He's been the same player for like nine or ten years, you know. So understanding that you as a coach have to adapt your style to suit the needs of your best players, that's your job as a coach. And I think Greg Popovich is one of the best at doing that. So I think he will be fine with DeMar DeRozan and... LaMarcus Aldridge and all these other players, I think the struggle for them is really going to be floor spacing and how what kind of structure their offense goes into in terms of getting shots to both uh, DeRozan and Aldridge and then what the hell they're going to do it for 48 minutes at the point guard position. Yeah. Uh, me personally, I'm bummed about DeJounte. Murray. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I was so looking forward to him. I mean, he's a most improved player candidate. Think yeah, about it. And he's, he's also a guy who can, who can be a first-team all-defense. He was second-team all-defense last year, so... You know, I would have loved to have seen him continue to continue to develop in that way, and I'd heard his shot was coming along really well over the summer. So it's really unfortunate that this is, you know, he, he's going to miss the season. But let's get to this question because, I mean, this is what all the podcast people care about. Do you think Kawhi is staying in Toronto? Depends on how well Toronto plays and how well he plays. I don't think it matters how well Toronto plays. I think he's looking more for... Well, what were his reasons for leaving the Spurs? I mean, uh, it seems like there were rifts that, that were unrepairable. And it sounds like he wants to go to a big market city. That looks... It Does sounds it like really? that was one of... Right? I mean, you remember all this... Obviously, we don't know for sure what he wants. Right. Okay. But I think, like, the, the reports were saying that he wanted to go to a big market city. Or, like, maybe his uncle was pushing that. But um, Toronto's a very nice city. And, it's also huge you know, too. Yeah, I mean, and he might warm up to it. So uh, I think I think actually Toronto has a good chance of keeping him. I mean, uh, one season's a very long time. You have a lot of months, so we'll see. And if he likes Kyle Lowry as a teammate and all these guys, then he might just gel so well that he doesn't want to leave. So um, I think it's a good chance that they did. I think Masai Ujiri did a really good move here, and I think he will stay. That's my initial prediction. Right. If anyone is going to stay for basketball reasons, it'd be Kawhi. Right. He. I mean, I, I sort of get that he's sort of yearning for the big city, but I don't think that's really his personality. I think he, I think he, I mean, he showed it in his press conference. He, he, he barely knows how to laugh, but, <laughs> but, but Great I memes. mean, like, I'm like, I, he was basically talking about his love for basketball. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Like, and that's really, that's really what he cares about. 
And uh, if the best basketball that he can play can be played in Toronto, I think they get a they get a good look at um, Kawhi signing in the future. But I also think the Clippers are a good candidate to sign Kawhi. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. I think this there's like a bigger thing here with like players in general. This is with Paul George and Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, people want to be appreciated by the franchise that they're in. Like that. That's I think bar none the most important thing like at the very beginning is you need to be in a place where you're wanted and that's one of the main reasons Paul George stayed in OKC was because he really felt like OKC welcomed him and wanted to keep him so he wanted to stay there there's also other basketball reasons those are important and there are endorsement opportunities all that stuff is is totally valid but the first thing is that you are valued in the place that you're at I don't care if you're if people in LA hate you then you're probably not going to go to LA is, is the idea behind that so if Toronto can continue to welcome Kawhi the way they are Toronto is a good team, and he performs well there. I think they've got a good chance at a happy, happy marriage long term. Uh, I think one of the interesting issues is going to be if he's just decent this year. Do you, as the Raptors, want to pony up a max contract for him? Like those are the types of questions that I I have. Well, obviously it's a fluid situation, right? Yeah. If, if he doesn't, if he shows that he hasn't quite recovered from his uh, his quad injury that he spent a year recovering from then, I mean, obviously, if you're the Raptors, you're like, what's the point? Yeah. And I think all other, 31 other teams in the NBA would ask the exact same question. I think other so. teams will take a flyer on him, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kawhi's Kawhi. <laughs> a flyer? On, or he's a really good flyer. That's my point. Talk. Even even if he's, he, even yeah. he's hurt, right? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. they'll, they'll take a flyer on I mean, him. even when he played, in the nine games he played for the Spurs he's last good. year, he played really well. He was <laughs> off the charts defensively. Right. And, and, and just to, like, to talk about Guru's point of, like, what Kawhi wants... Like you were talking about, like his basketball needs, and I, I'm he he probably want that's probably what he wants, but he had that in San Antonio, so I'm I'm, I'm just curious. There must be some other external reason. Maybe his maybe, maybe his mi- outside influence. Like maybe the uncle. misdiagnosis of his injury was the big deal. I maybe. think I really think he felt unvalued there because he was like, you guys screwed up my medical thing. You're trying to force me to come back when I'm not right. I'm telling you I'm not right. Stop forcing me to do it. Like, well, did they ever force him? I don't think they ever. They forced said him you to should come back. come back and play. Well, no, but that, but that's not forcing. I mean, no, that, you most come back most play, franchises don't do that, right? If you're if well, you're I, a star and you're hurt, that. I mean, if you're star and you're hurt, it's a long term investment. If you don't feel right, you shouldn't play. Well, there's they went by their team doctor. The team doctor cleared him, and they said, okay, our team doctor cleared it. You should come back and play. And he played, and he wasn't right. I see that that part. I don't that part. I think we're, we don't know what the fact that he there. came back for nine games and then he we went to the disabled list for the entire rest yeah, of the season. I think it's fair to say he did. He never weird. felt right. I think like he had a legitimate medical concern and he felt like the Spurs weren't really taking it as seriously as they could. Because what, what the Spurs did is they said, hey, we've checked you out with our team doctors. They say you're fine. When are you going to be back? And I understand why they're doing that. They're a franchise. They're an organization. They, they have to do that. But at the same time, that's not what Kawhi Leonard wanted to hear. And when Kawhi came back and played, he went back. They respected that. He he wanted to see outside doctors in New York, and they Absolutely. respected that. So I think the Spurs actually did a pretty good job. I but, mean, did they, they, but did but did they really respect that? That's I think the I mean did. I mean Greg Popovich said that he, I mean when he, when he was asked about Kawhi, he was there. He was like, "Go talk to their people." When well, he could have, well, I mean, he when, know, when, right? when he could have, when he could have, when he when when he could have said something much much more friendly, like he like. I mean, he's struggling. I mean, something, something like you yeah. know, like we're supporting Kawhi through this process. I, I mean, th- those stuff matter, Varun. And I, I think, and, I mean, and Manu Ginobili saying, "Oh no, anything... Kawhi's not coming back. He's not coming back." Is that what he said? Or yeah, Tony yeah, Parker yeah. saying, "My my injury was like ten times as bad," or whatever the heck he said. 
you're making somebody who is your star player, a superstar player, a legit MVP, yeah. top two or three player, the future of your franchise, you're pissing them off. This is a titanic mismanagement by the Spurs, or it was. Okay, well, going to the Popovich thing, I mean, the, Kawhi was not keeping in touch with the Spurs. So when Popovich is asked, hey, what's up with Kawhi? Pop's like, oh, you have to ask Kawhi and his friends. Of course. I mean, what else do you say? You, you say don't know. you don't you don't air that out because he's your best player. No, no, wait, but what's wrong with saying go talk to Kawhi and his group? Because it sounds bad. I don't think it sounds bad. I think it sounds. I mean, that's the truth. Kawhi, it Kawhi like Leonard took it badly, right? That I, if if you take that badly, then I'm sorry. I think you're pretty soft. No, I don't think maybe there's anything so, wrong with saying you have to know hey, your people. Go talk to Kawhi and his group. Like, okay, if you got injured and I and you weren't keeping in touch with me, and somebody asked me, hey, how's Vikram doing? I'd be like, hey, go talk to Vikram. Or you can message Vikram or message his What you'd probably whatnot. say is, hey, I'm not sure what's going on. Vikram, I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah. And then if you want to know about him, you can message him or whatnot. Right. And I think if Greg Pop, there were better he, ways that Greg Popovich could have answered that question that were more sensitive to Kawhi Leonard. And I think a lot of the times perception is reality, especially when you have other influences like his uncle and other things. They're just looking for a reason to push him away from the franchise. And the Spurs had to understand that Kawhi Leonard is your future. I mean, now they're not not that DeMar DeRozan is, is a bad return on this. And but. to add to that point, they have to realize that Kawhi Leonard is not Tim Duncan. Yeah. And not everybody and not every star is going to take the same type of approach to wanting to lead and wanting to be a part of an organization. And so knowing that, knowing your player, you have to do things a little differently. So I, I really do think the situation was mismanaged by the Spurs. And again, this is a player's league. Players have all the leverage. So if Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to play in San Antonio, there are 31 other teams that are going to move heaven and earth to get him. Yeah. Now, I agree there are some public comments that did not have to be said. Like, the, if the Manj Nobly thing is that, if that's what he said, then I don't think he should have said and that. And the Tony Parker thing. The Tony Parker thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. But I don't think Pop did anything wrong. I think he managed it pretty well. And if, if what you're saying is true, if, if his group was looking for a reason to get him out of there... Then that's not the Spurs' fault. That's, that, 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 that is they can't. That no, is, absolutely. That's it's, not, it's, not, it's not an assignment of yeah. fault, but I'm saying, as the organization, you have to dodge your eyes and cross your T's. Well, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not like the Spurs dealt with this the right way all the way through, and Kawhi was yeah. Kawhi kind was of, a, it works both ways, and there sure. yeah. there is a scenario where Kawhi could like Toronto and stay there. Sure. Yeah. 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 Especially if Toronto makes him feel welcome, I think that's that's the key because I think that's something that is important to Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, but then I, I think even then, I mean, you, you brought the group again. That's a good point. I mean, what does this group want? I mean, once again, if his uncle is pushing him to go to L.A., then even if he likes Toronto, he might just... I, mean, I don't know how much influence his uncle has over him because yeah. it sounds like his uncle has a lot of influence over well, him. Well, what if he gets a really great endorsement while he's in Toronto? You know? uh, okay. Yeah, let's move on. Cool. <laughs> uh, what's next? OKC. So, I mean, we're talking about all these championship teams. We don't really talk about OKC because they have a pretty good one-two punch. And... They lost to Utah in the first round, and that was pretty disappointing in my opinion. But Utah was a pretty good defensive team, and you have to give them credit. They play very well together. Um, but I still felt that they should have beaten Utah and gone further. But whatever. Whatever happened has happened. I mean, they didn't have Andre Roberson, so that does make a big impact. And they had to play Carmelo Anthony, who was a negative, who yeah. was a negative yeah. in Yeah, so he's not there anymore, so right. that should help. Yeah. But it still, it still seems like it's a 1-2 team. Russell Westbrook gets 20 shots. Paul George gets 20 shots. Um, looks like just based off how all the teams are being formed today, they don't have that special number three piece to bind it all together. I, I, so I that think might you be the problem. I think you hit the nail on the head. Andre Roberson was a bigger loss than we realized. 
he could have really really helped in in that jazz series i think he's he's the defensive stopper that really like that the glue guy the absolute glue guy that really brings the okc thunder together uh i think carmelo anthony last year was a negative he shouldn't have played as much as he played he shouldn't have started as much as he started uh and, and if you're looking at the team overall obviously i mean they're headlined by Westbrook and Paul George and how Westbrook and Paul George are going to be played together going into the future now now that Paul George has signed this long-term commitment and saying that he wants to stay there how they're going to play together into the future is uh, a question that needs to be answered this season but they also have Steven Adams um and uh I think yeah they have Steven Adams very good player <laughs> by the way yeah he's one of the best centers in the uh, league I don't think the Thunder are going to be that great this year and the reason I say that is uh, Russell Westbrook is injured. Uh, Andrew Roberson had a setback. He's he's coming back. He, I mean, like it's not like he's Russell got, Westbrook. He's, he's out for a while. He's... No, Russell Westbrook. I think he's only out for a couple games. For yeah, couple for games. a couple games. And how many games did we say separated the third and the eighth seed? Do you, can I mean, you see? Can you see opening night? OKC has a shot against the Warriors without Russell Westbrook. I I, I think way like a significant injury is when you're out like a month or uh, not 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 a month. Sorry, like. Even like two weeks could be huge. I think a but, month, a month is, I admire, I think that's a good amount. But, but at the beginning of the season, I mean, I, a lot of saying, struggle. I, 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 totally, like I agree with you guys. I'm just saying, like, he's coming off an injury. Andre Roberson is coming off. The Roberson injury. injury is bigger. It's, for it's a big deal. Yeah. 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 And so again, if Rob Roberson's the glue guy, and you need my problem with with OKC is I, I'm really wondering where the heck their offense comes from this year, given that they literally just have Russell Westbrook and Paul George out there. Uh, they have non-shooters at every other position. And so, from a floor spacing perspective, or an offensive perspective, I have no idea what the heck they're going to do. If Roberson comes back, great. He makes your defense better. They're already a good defensive team with or without him. I think they're a much, much better defensive team with him, obviously, because he's a phenomenal defender. But how the heck are you going to score against the Jazz or the Warriors or the Rockets or any or even the Lakers? Like These are the questions I really have about OKC. I'm not sure that they have the depth of talent, especially given how shallow their bench is. Is New Orleans Noel going to come off the bench and score 10 points for you? No no shot. So I'm kind of curious as to how they develop their offense. That, that's my biggest question for them going into the season. Varun? Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say that um, if you guys watched Steven Adams last year, he had a lot of good post-up touches. Mm-hmm. And so what I was thinking was, why not they just make him their... like. They give him a lot of post-up moves. I mean, Russell Westbrook says no. Yeah. Russell Westbrook actually, says I think, no. I think Billy Donovan, has, uh, he's to blame here because I don't think he's giving Stephen Adams enough post-up touches, but I think he should get more. Well, I and think... Uh, that'll at least establish some good scoring potential from your center who's getting paid a lot of money every year, too. I totally agree. I The one thing I would say is, would you rather have Stephen Adams post-up or would you rather have Paul George shoot a three? Paul George shoot a three. Yeah, yeah that's the uh, thing, right? So yeah. from his perspective, why the hell am I designing a play to get Steven Adams the ball in the post when I can design a play to get Paul George an open look at the three? So from that, sure. I, I think that's the. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where, and I, I think in today's age, there, there's a reason we're going away from from the post up game, which I, I love post up game. So like for me, it's a it's a little <laughs> <Same> sad. <here. laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, and this is the problem. I, I think the issue really is that. You look at it from like a numbers perspective and you're like, okay, I can get you a, a contested layup at the rim in the post or I can get you uh, a contested look at three. And if you're, you know, if the percentages bear out, the three-point shot is a little better. 
And I think in that construct, that's why Steven Adams isn't getting a ton of touches. I also don't think he was... I don't remember what his points per post-up shot was. We'd have I, to. Don't, I don't. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. I think we. I don't think he was so good that he's beating Westbrook or, or Paul George. And the other thing is keeping those two in rhythm is more important than keeping Stephen Adams in rhythm. And I think the sure. most effective place where Stephen Adams uh, can perform is out of the pick and roll with Russell Westbrook. I think that's a brutal combination. Hmm. Uh, when he's when he's the role man. Oh man. Uh, it's it's fun to watch, and Russell Westbrook and he have great chemistry. So I think on offense, that's that's something they can rely on is that pick and roll. The problem is, who are you? Who the problem is that weak side coverage coming down. If you don't, if you have a non shooter in the corner like a Roberson, teams are gonna sag off him and let them and let that defender help in the paint on that pick and roll. So I mean, that's that's the concern I really have for the for the Thunder. And then they have other solutions like Patrick Patterson that might be able to come in and stress the floor. I think he's going to have a bounce back year this year. Uh, he was limited a lot by injury last year. I think he's going to be better this year. But even then, you know, he's a liability on defense. So, I mean, there are all of these different factors for them. And I, I don't see how the picture is sure. cohesive right now. And I might be wrong, and I hope I am because I like what they have. I just think the, the concept of their team doesn't make a, a whole lot of sense to me from a floor spacing and offense perspective. And when you're talking about OKC this year from a seeding perspective, it's a similar story to the Lakers. I think it can be anywhere from three to eight. Sure. I think they are a playoff team, though. I, I definitely think yeah. they're a playoff team. Yeah, I, th- I think they are as well. And I mean, whether they get past the first round or not will depend on the matchup like oh, they did yeah. last year. And the Jazz were a terrible matchup for them. Yeah, yeah just yeah, like yeah. the Blazers yeah. hit the Pelicans and got absolutely yeah. destroyed. So, I mean, it's all about the matchup for any of these other teams. Right. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, well, we, we definitely finished a, a thought no, there. I, I thought maybe I had something more to say, but I, I guess not. Anyways, we'll see. Um, okay, Boogie to Warriors. Now, that, that was probably the most shocking thing that happened in the offseason, by far. I mean, I think, I think I forgot how I heard this, but I thought it was Michael, like a complete joke. It was from Michael. Michael no, 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 I heard it from somebody else. Oh, you heard first. it from somebody else? I, it was, I thought it was a complete joke. When I, I think I heard it from you, actually. From first. me? And I, I thought it was a complete joke. No, no, no. So this is how I heard about it. I was taking a nap. Okay, I was taking a nap, <laughs> and I woke up. I woke up, and I see this text from Michael, like, Boogie signed with the Warriors, or DeMarcus Cousins, something, something, something to that effect. Okay, okay. And I was like, what? Michael must be kidding. Like, Michael Lou, like, he's like he's our joker in our group, friend group, I, I guess. And he was like, oh, yeah, whatever, Michael. And then I went to the bathroom, washed my face, come back, go on Twitter, and everybody's celebrating. And I'm just like wow how did this happen yeah. what happened Crazy. what's the backstory here and then we, i mean of course we got into a huge discussion about it on our group chat and that's when i was like hey if he's not he if he wasn't getting a big offer from any of the other teams and he's going to miss half the season this was probably one of his better options and i i think we like we had a discussion about that i forgot like what your perspectives were on that if you want to rehash that here yeah, I think actually what we found out was that was his only option left. Yeah, because much. I think I think. Um, but you were pissed, huh? You were. Oh, you were, I was. I was like because I didn't have all the information back then, so I was like, how? Why the hell did Demarcus Cousins join a team that does not need him at all? I mean, they they already won without him. Clearly, they were the most winningest team in the league without him. So I, why why at all would you join the Warriors? But then I think more information came in was that. Um, um, his ACL or not his ACL was his Achilles. Uh, Achilles was a huge concern, but a bigger concern was his locker room presence, and so a lot of teams were turned off by that. 
And that's because, I mean, he got no other offers. I mean, the only offer he got was from... Actually, he didn't get an offer from the Warriors. He, he contacted to the, the Warriors. Yeah. He contacted the teams that were not... I mean, he didn't get any offers. So he contacted the Lakers, the Celtics, the Rockets, and the Warriors. I, that's what I heard. Hmm. And and one team got back to him. <laughs> the Warriors. So I, I thought, that, you know, I was quite shocked to hear all of that. That was more surprising. Because I thought, I mean, doesn't a team like Philly want to take a one-year chance at him? Or... Some team like OKC, maybe. Yeah, so I was a little surprised by that. But, I mean, what's happened has happened. But so can a team like OKC we'll wait for happens. him to come back midseason? No. That's the thing. No, they can't. I think that's the biggest thing. The Warriors provided him an opportunity to come back from uh, from his injury and integrate in, in his own time and then kind of rehabilitate his value, show that he's a, a player that is worthy of a big contract, all that kind of stuff. I think that's the major reason why DeMarcus Cousins is still... Uh, mm is still in the the Houston, or in the uh yeah on the Warriors roster versus any other roster right now. I think that's really what it is. Uh I will well, say the Warriors were the only team that actually offered him well the contract. <laughs> they were the only team that got back to him that were even yeah. interested in his services for yeah. this year. Yeah. Otherwise what he takes off a year? Yeah. I no, mean obviously of course not. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the biggest issue. Like what are you gonna do? But but what I'm saying aren't you surprised that all this happened? Yeah I'm I'm surprised because I I would have thought that a team would be willing, like I think the Pelicans could have offered him slightly more and, and kept his services, for example, given how low his his taking price was for this one year. Yeah, they didn't even offer him a deal. Yeah, they didn't even offer him a deal. So I'm a little surprised about that from a, you know, we all want to be fantasy GM type perspective, uh, or we all live in the land of 2K, where I will say the Warriors are the most unbelievably annoying roster to face up against. Because they literally put an all star out at every position. Because they start the season with a with the healthy Demarcus Cousins in in two K, so <laughs> yeah. it is absolutely sure. the most depressing matchup ever. It is extremely annoying. That that aside, I think from a, like a fantasy GM perspective, we're all like, who wouldn't want Demarcus Cousins? But there are other of factors course. like uh, when he's coming back, what he's going to look like when he comes back. Can we wait for him? Can we reintegrate him before the playoffs? Uh, and are we worried about his presence in the locker room? And so that made the Warriors a team with an established locker room culture and ability to wait for him and a coach that is good at scheming and innovating players into an offensive lineup, especially at the center position that had a need for a center. And that's the, you know, the happy coincidence of all these fortuitous events for DeMarcus Cousins coming to the Warriors. Because you you talked about Philly. Does Philly need another center? Yeah, I mean, no. Exactly. And so Boston. Yes or no? He said, yeah, and then no. Uh, uh, no, okay, no, they don't. Okay. Yeah, and neither does Boston with Al Horford. DeMarcus yeah. Cousins doesn't move the needle for them. Yeah. Clint Capella yep. doesn't move the needle for the Rockets. So you're really looking for a team that does not have a center, like an established center. The Warriors are your one. Well, the Lakers were there. I was kind of surprised the Lakers also. Well, the Lakers said we are contacted really, the Lakers. Yeah, and yeah. I understand why the Lakers didn't sign them, right? Because the Lakers are like, why would we sign you? We can't really wait for you this season. Yeah, that's if the other not, part. We can't really wait for you. If that's... you're not that good this season, we just wasted cap space on you for next season. No, it's a one-year deal. Uh, I'm just saying, like, they, I don't think they would have given a one-year deal. If, like, we're not going to give you $5 million to yeah. rehabilitate your injury. And so I, I don't <laughs> think they were going to, and I, I actually don't think they would have just signed him for one year if they had signed him. I think they would have signed him for longer because they could have gotten him. I think they would have been able to get him at a discount. And if you knew DeMarcus Cousins is going to be healthy coming off this Achilles injury, or even like 90% of the player that he was, you can still give him a really good contract. And if you got, get him for like $15 million a year because he's worried about injury risk, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. 
Like yeah. that's a bargain for the Warriors. Their season really starts in April. Yeah, and they're they're the only team who can say that. Oh yeah, and so they don't they don't really that's care. Why. They can take a flyer on Demarcus Cousins. They don't need him to be good. Yeah, for the Warriors, it's a fantastic move. Yeah, obviously. They, yeah. The best part about that is if Demarcus Cousins doesn't work, whatever. Jordan Bell can can man the man the fort. Him and Kevon Looney. That's why I think Kevon Looney was a fantastic. Uh, again, this is this is the craziness. I, I figured another team would try to sign Kevon Looney just to get him away from the Warriors. Like, I, I was kind of surprised by that. Mm-hmm. I would think another team would like take a stab at weakening the competition by offering this guy like a couple million bucks. So yeah. that was a little shocking to me. I, I don't know if you guys remember, but apparently the Pelicans, after this was after DeMarcus Cousins got hurt, he injured his Achilles, but before the season ended, the Pelicans offered him a two-year, $40 million deal, and he rejected it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, you never know if that was, I mean, yeah, sure, he should have taken that right now. We're saying that today, but back then, you never know. Well, you don't know. What if next year he comes back healthy and he gets a max deal, four yeah. years, $120 million from someplace? And we look, we look like a bunch of idiots for saying, well, you should have taken your two for 40 from the Pelicans. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, yeah. Hindsight's 2020. Yeah. 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 And, so and this is all about increasing his value for next year's. Right. He's season. gambling on himself. Yeah. Right. Uh, that hasn't gone well for a lot of players. Mm. Uh, Nerlens Noel is the great example of this. He went from like four years, 90 million to a minimum uh, to like <laughs> I a remember that. deal this year. <laughs> so. I remember that. Yeah. He was a big contract from I mean, there, I mean, there's a, there's a good chance that DeMarcus Cousins goes out and shows that he's not the max player that he was before the Achilles injury. There's a good chance of that. Sure. But I think the Warriors will afford him the time to yeah, and, come back. And also, if you, if you you know, instead of two years, 20 million, you can get, or two years, 40 million, you can get like four years, 60 million. Hmm. I think that's even, sure. that's even better. Sure, sure. And so, like I'm saying, like, I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a max player at the end of this, uh, but I do think he's going to be a, a really good center still. Yeah. And I think his game, especially offensively, where he can stretch it out to the three-point line, be dependable, put the ball on the floor a little bit, yeah. gives him a, a really interesting niche in the league. So yeah. uh, hopefully he'll be healthy. We'll see what happens. I think the best thing he can show this year is that he can work together with the team because for all these years he's been in the NBA, he's always been one of the highest players in touches on the offense. He, he does not look like he shares the ball with his team. He turns the ball he always looks selfish. Too. Yeah, so I think... He can definitely make an impact in that sense. He can just show that he can be a team player and help a team. He can play within elevate. an offense. Yeah. He can play within an offense. And help offense, yeah. the other players around that. I mean, elevate the, the players around him. I, mean, right, I think that's right. a big thing, too. We'll find that out this year. After January, I think, is when he's expected to come back. Yeah. Um, no so, pressure on him to rush back. Yeah, exactly. That's also a good thing. Uh, so, East and West predictions. Um, Guru, you want to take this over because I wasn't exactly sure. Uh, specific. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure specifically either what you mean. Yeah. But okay, predictions for East and West. Okay, so on the Eastern Conference side, I think uh, I think the Celtics come out of the East eventually. Okay. Uh, for the I finals. Mean, for, yeah, for, okay. For, for, for the finals. I think, I think a lot of people think that, but the Raptors are going to be very interesting. The Sixers are going to be very interesting, and the Bucks are going to be very interesting. I, th- I think... Uh, I saw um, a box score, and um, Giannis had a thirty-point triple double in twenty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. killed him. That was today, right? Uh, it was. It was yesterday. Okay. It yeah, was yesterday. It was, it was last funny. night. But I was watching part of that game. He I, was everywhere. I think Mike Budenhoser is going to change the Bucks. Like their offense is going to be so much better than it was last year, mm-hmm. and it's going to like it's going to take an effect you know, on Giannis and his uh, development as a superstar. 
I oh, think yeah. I think the Bucks could finish as a top as a top four team, but at the end of the day, I think the Celtics are pretty deep on the wings and uh, pretty deep in general, and they got Kyrie Irving who has that you know playoff experience that the other teams don't quite have. So I think the Celtics come out of the East. Assuming they're healthy. Right. That's and, a big assumption. And in the West, do I really need a need a prediction? I'm, yes. Yeah, yeah you do. Yes. You still need a formal yeah. prediction. Okay. The Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Da, da, da. I wasn't surprised. Yeah. I think the Pacers will be a very interesting team to watch also because they're very deep. Hmm. Yep. They're very, very deep. And Oladipo was a, had a fantastic year. So actually, that's interesting. We'll see how Oladipo does this year. So I I don't want to say he's, he's like not taking anybody surprise. It's, anywhere, it's, but, it's really but hard to we'll rebound. It's yeah. hard to rebound from a most improved player yeah, a year. Sure, sure. Like everybody's got their but eyes I mean, on you. Keep now. up this. Let's keep right, keep, yeah, it keep, up, keep it up. Right? Let's yeah. see if it keeps it up. Sure. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I'm interested to see uh, for Philly what Markel Fultz looks like. I think that's going to be an Big important question. part for them. Mm. Uh, I want to see if Ben Simmons can develop any sort of range outside of lamps and dunks. I would really really like to see that. I think. I'm still pretty. I'm pretty sure he still hasn't figured out which hand he wants to shoot with. So, <laughs> I wish I had that problem though. That I was so ambidextrous I could shoot with both hands, no matter how poorly it was with either hand. But the the fact that I could potentially shoot with both hands is pretty amazing to me. I, I think I've seen him shoot threes in practice. He just doesn't shoot. He doesn't them. shoot them well in practice either. Like that's the, the funniest part. I mean, he's making them. He makes a couple of them, couple. but I don't think his percentage is anything great. Okay, of course it's not. Yeah, I mean, that's why, you that's why like, he doesn't shoot him in the game. Exactly, but you look like Steph Curry, right? How yeah. how good do you have to be at practice to actually shoot in the game? You know, you right. have to be pretty dang good. And you have to simulate yeah. in practice what's, what the game situation is going to be like. Yeah. That's that's the hard part. I think, yeah, I just think it's so... If he can if he can get... And so Philadelphia is another team where I'm, I'm... And it's similar to the Thunder in this respect. I'm worried about their floor spacing. I'm worried about how they put together an offense and defense that's cohesive if they have to play J.J. Redick every time because you need his floor spacing. But he's such a liability on defense. And Joel Embiid is not the most switchy defender in the world. Like, How do you put together schemes on offense and defense with your personnel that are, that are successful? I think what's going to be important for them is if they can get Markel Fultz back in the fold, that's going to be one of the best defenses in the NBA. If you talk about a, a backcourt defending pair of Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz, you have Robert Covington, and then you have Joel Embiid, you're looking at a foursome there that and is... Dario Sarge. Dario Sarge is a good defender. Player, he's, yeah. he's, he's a good defender. He's not great. Yeah. So that's why I didn't include him in this. But that foursome first, that's an incredibly good defensive foursome. But uh, a part of me really wants the Raptors to figure it out. The Raptors are going to make be the finals. Yeah, that would be fantastic if they were able to. Yeah. That and I think they might be a little easier out for the Warriors. <laughs> uh, of course, of course, Varun doesn't wish for that, but... Well, I, I, Boston is stacked. I mean, yeah, they, they go 10, is, 11 uh, deep every night. It's, it's So I think they'll make the finals. Now, Toronto, I mean, it depends on how Kawhi fits because if Kawhi fits really well, then I think Toronto will be the biggest challenger to, the, to Boston yeah. for making the finals. With Boston, I'm just a little worried about their front court depth. Just a little bit worried. I think they have fantastic, and I, specifically, yeah. I'm talking about what do they do with the center menace? And usually, the or Wizards would be Tice. in this conversation. Yeah, well, yeah. Tice Baines. Tice is going to be played off the floor against Golden State, and Baines is going to be played off the floor with Golden State. I actually think the Sixers are the worst matchup for the Warriors. Yeah, this can, year. Yeah, Sixers followed by the Celtics and then the Raptors. But the Celtics have really good defense, so that that they're, the they're always a challenge. Are a bad matchup for everyone. 
just on the on the back of Ben Simmons being a point guard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, is that a point guard? Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's the problem really is like they're and this is why I'm so intrigued by Philadelphia is if they can if they can figure out an offensive system that like takes advantage of the fact that they have Ben Simmons being a six ten point guard and they have uh and they have Joel Embiid who can take any who should be able to take anybody one on one and Aaron Baines did a phenomenal job of guarding him. But I, I think Aaron Baines and Daniel Tice get played off the floor with, with against Golden State. Okay. And, and just like some other teams, Detroit, I think, will make the playoffs because Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, I think yeah, I think that should be. I mean, Dwayne Casey, the new head coach, that should be good enough. I mean, if that's not good enough, then uh, who made the Blake Griffin? Oh, it was dead. Okay, he's fired. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> I guess they already fired the guy who was in charge of that. He, he was with the, he's now yeah. with the ESPN. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I think uh, Dwayne Casey is a good coach pick yeah. up for them, so I think that's important. Yeah. But, but I struggle to see who Detroit – Oh, Detroit replaces Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland. Okay. and okay. I think I think um, I think uh, let's see, who else is here? I think Miami's no guarantee to make it either, even though they're pretty deep. I think I think they're guaranteed to make it. Yeah, they're they're I mean, a lot good. The they're playoffs. a good team, but we'll see. With or without Jimmy Butler, with Jimmy Butler, I think they'll make it. Without, Dude, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Without, I don't think it's even. I don't think it's even close. They are a lock to make the playoffs. Miami. Miami. Without Jimmy Butler. Without Jimmy Butler is a lock to make the playoffs. They're a lock to make the playoffs and lose in the first round. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe maybe so. And, and that's why Jimmy Butler is so important for them because if they can get Jimmy Butler, then maybe they're maybe they're a top four team. They're they're tough they're tough out in the playoffs. Yeah, they're a they're suddenly a home court team. Uh, I think obviously uh, Washington. Washington, as much as I'm just, They're I want to watch them. I want to watch them play this year. Yeah, with Dwight Howard, it'll be fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I really hope Dwight Howard has a good year. Hmm. I really hate the fact that like apparently nobody likes this guy because I've always liked him. And and what would we talk about on this podcast without the Wizards? That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Okay. And I think the Knicks should need to have a really good year this year because. Next year, if they want to attract Kevin Durant or Jimmy Butler, they have to show that they have a pretty. Uh, he already said he's resigning. Dude, he he can say whatever that. He also he said the earth was said, flat, dude. Huh? He also said the earth was flat. And I, I, I think it's I think it's a ninety nine point nine percent lock that he's going back to Boston unless Boston doesn't want him. I but I think Kyrie that, wants to stay okay. in Boston. I'm saying ninety nine point nine percent chance. I'm saying that. it's probably closer to like seventy percent. But I. I I, I mean, what makes you say that? Just because of the flat earth thing? I mean, what No, is... I, I don't think... I think he's a mercurial person. I think if he found a scenario that fit him better or he didn't have a great year in Boston this but year... But what scenario would fit him better than the one in Boston? Because he's the number one player and he's got so many good players around him. What beats that? Maybe yeah, the Knicks do. Maybe the Knicks with Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant do better. They don't have the cap space to get... I, I'm just guys. saying, whatever... See, whatever the, doubt we had about, the doubt we had about Kyrie Irving all these years is does he really care about winning? Maybe I mean maybe it's all about him, but I think with this, well, with him coming out saying that he wants to come back to the Celtics, I think I think it's a pretty much a done deal. I think it's the out. most likely scenario. I'm just not gonna. You okay, know, sure, that's fine. I'm not gonna throw a parade in Boston right no, now saying fine. yeah, that's Kyrie Irving I mean, sure. is we'll, come we'll, back. When it happens, it'll happen. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's fair yeah. enough. What about the West? In the West, yeah, that's obviously it's gonna be stacked again. I mean, as Vikram has said several times, three and eight, only a two game difference. I think Portland will not make it this year. Yeah, it's possible. I think Portland, um, let's see, Portland is not going to make it. San Antonio, because of all the injuries, I think Denver will be in and the Lakers will be in. Mm. I think That's Minnesota I think Minnesota falls out if they don't have Jimmy Butler. I think yeah. the Spurs are more likely to make it to the playoffs than I, Minnesota. I, I, Denver I think Minnesota, Minnesota falls out with or without Jimmy Butler. I think. Well, yeah, just, now, now you're, you might be right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a toxic situation. It's just it, a it really, they're, for the amount of talent they have on that team, they're awful. 
Yeah, and uh, hey, Utah. I mean, Utah's a very tough playoff matchup for any any team. Dude, I think yeah. they could they could be the second seed this year. They really could. I I really I think you know a lot of people are like doomsaying the Rockets. I don't want to say that I'm I'm down on the Rockets. I I just think the Jazz are are on for a really good season. Mm-hmm. I think they're incredibly well coached. I think they're going to kick the snot out of. Uh, out of the bad teams. In out the of league. bad teams, exactly. And most importantly, they have a really, really good home court uh, advantage, second to the Nuggets type of thing in terms of the altitude and all that other stuff. They're they're a good team to be in terms of all of these different aspects. And on top of that, they have a, a transcendent player now in Donovan Mitchell. Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought he would be transcendent? Yeah. And uh, you know, they have they have players like Joe Ingles, who's consistently one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. Like and a great passer. Yeah, you just, you look at their roster, and you, I'm kind of impressed. Good solid players. They have a lot yeah. of really really solid players. Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio rehab his career. Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay Crowder is fantastic there too. Derek Favors is going to be a lot of fun to watch there. Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean candidate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, the Pelicans. I mean, I know everybody's high on them, but I don't know if I can guarantee them a playoff spot because their defense is still pretty bad. And Anthony, the reason, remember, the reason they made the playoffs was that that last two months, Anthony Davis went on a wild MVP. He went tear. bonkers. He went Can bonkers. Can he do that the entire season? That's going to be very tough. Right. And he's injury prone already. He's so. injury prone. That's the thing. So I think I don't know if the Pelicans will actually make the playoffs. I think if Anthony year. Davis plays 70 plus games, they make the playoffs. Yep. I think it's as simple as that. Yes. I, I think yes. that's absolutely true. Yes. Uh, I also, I really like the pickup of Julius Randle for them. I think that's really, really important because it lets you play him at center. And so Anthony Davis does not have to play center. For whatever reason, Anthony Davis hates playing center. I don't understand. This is my same thing with LeBron James early in his career, never wanting to play power forward. Like, your best position is by far like a different position than you are. And you can actually play it, and you're very successful at playing it. I, but I think the the piece that really turned around uh, their playoff hopes, if you talk about uh, the Meritage. Pelicans, was Drew Holiday. And Meritage. I think Meritage and Drew Holiday together. I think... So, Drew Holiday... Return to form, and I think that's important. But I actually think from an acquisition standpoint, Meritich is, is the, one of the more important pieces. Because they're another team that really struggles with this, this aspect of floor spacing. And so and the reason we, we really have to talk about that more now is just how the game is played and how defenses are constructed, right? And if you don't have good floor spacing, you can collapse into the paint. And once you do that, what makes Anthony Davis great, what makes a lot of these players great, kind of starts going away. If you can't shoot, if you don't have at least two or three shooters on the floor at any given time, you're going to struggle. And so that's why the acquisition of Meritage was so important. Okay, I have a question for both of you guys. If you could leak pass, so now you, if you get leak pass, you can like leak pass an individual team. Right. Hmm. So like if you could leak pass any non-playoff team, non-playoff team means a, a team that you think is not going to make the playoffs this year, Sure. who would you leak pass and why? Well, I can go first on this if you want. Go you ahead. Second. Yeah, I'm still thinking. Oh, I'd so I really want to watch the Dallas, or I'd really want to watch the Dallas. Oh, Mavericks. I think you mentioned this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I might have mentioned this earlier. They're they're a team I'm really looking forward to watching. Uh, not just because of Luka Doncic and Dennis Smith, but I I just I think that team is going to be a lot better this year than people think. Uh, I would I would actually take the over on the Vegas line this year, uh, if if I were inclined or able to to gamble on that, I would absolutely take the over on on the Dallas Mavericks. I think they're going to have a sneaky good season. Uh, I don't think they're going to be in a playoff hunt or anything like that, but I think they're going to be fun to watch. And I think every night you're going to get three or four highlight plays that are just going to be so much fun to watch. Hmm. 
And I, I really love watching Dennis Smith dunk over people. It, it brings me immense amounts of joy to watch him sure. just crunch on people. All right. Really? I would probably go Phoenix because I'm really high on Josh Jackson. And I haven't ever since he was drafted. So sure. I, I want to see how he progresses this year. And I think he'll have a great year this year. And DeAndre Aiden, obviously the big guy there, the rookie. So, And Devin Booker will play very well. And they have a lot of young players, but we'll see if they fit together because that's been the biggest issue. I mean, uh, their 21-win season, Devin, does not reflect how good talent they have. So I guess we'll see about that. What about you? Uh, you guys like pretty much took my top, top two teams. So uh, oh, really? my, my yeah. distant third on the list would be would be the Brooklyn Nets. I think okay. they, I think they just play the right way. Sure. It's, it's fun to watch them. Fun to watch these young guys play. And uh, obviously, they don't win all the time. And uh, they're probably not going to win this year. But they got a lot of young young pieces, and they play a modern style basketball. Yeah. A lot of people probably want to see Atlanta because of uh, Troy Trey, Young. Trey so, Young yeah. Or Trey Young, yeah. Trey Young, okay. Yeah, yeah maybe probably. so. I, I see do, if he's the next so. Steph Curry. I know, I know we said playoff teams, and since this team doesn't necessarily guarantee playoffs, I really want to – I think I would subscribe to the Nuggets if I had an opportunity to. I think yeah, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think I think anyone would. Like, Yeah, they're such a fun team. They're such a fun team. And I really just want to watch Jokic just – kill people with passing it's fun to watch the other team play the nuggets too for the it is yeah, <laughs> they all you, get, you get these great highlights yeah. right you just yeah, you get sure. these absolutely amazing highlights okay so we're gonna do uh award predictions okay so we are gonna start let's start with six man and <laughs> we we're just talking about it before we started it's probably gonna be lou williams or eric gordon or some you know i think it's always it's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a high volume score like, yeah some high volume bench. score off the bench they never get into like i think we're going to lou Williams. i think we're going to lou williams yeah i think i think it's a group i think we're uh, going to lou williams. I, I was thinking maybe carmelo and we just touched upon it but if carmelo comes off the bench Dude, for the majority of the end he's not getting six man I'm not saying he will be, but I think he he could have his actual. I don't shot. think it's possible. Okay, I I'm just saying he might have a legitimate shot. Zero percent. And Monte Ginobili is not in the league the anymore. Bench, that's so. true. But I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Carmelo Anthony a zero percent chance of being. I'm not saying what happened. I'm just saying you know it would be interesting to see because he's coming sure. off the no, bench. Sure. It's a three point three point happy uh, team. So sure, he'll get to check sure, up a sure. lot of he'll shots. Get to check up a lot of shots, and yeah. he'll probably get to go one on five. When he's playing with the bench team, that's so true. He yeah. will be able to play one so, on five with the bench he team. Score like twenty points off the bench. So yeah, that could be enough. Hey, maybe so. Know. Maybe right. so. Yeah. Okay. So next well, award. What was yours? By the way, you guys we're, picked we're all Lou Williams. Williams. Okay, Williams. Yeah, generically, because we don't know who else is going to be six man. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That, that's tough to do. Okay. Rookie of the year. Go ahead. Are you, ta- are you talking to me? Yeah. Go ahead, Guru. Uh, I think DeAndre Aiden wins it. I think he gets the most playing time. Has the biggest impact on his team. Uh, but I could also see... Okay, anyways, DeAndre Aiden for me. I'm going to go with Luka Doncic here. Yeah, I, I, I think I think place. he's going to have a really good year in terms of counting stats. I think Aiden is going to be inherently limited with just points and rebounds. I think Luka Doncic is going to be able to rebound, score, and make a lot of flashy assists. I was going to go with Doncic too, but maybe another guy that I think is a dark horse guy is Colin Sexton out of Cleveland because oh he's going to have the ball all the time. Yeah, they yeah. need a, they just they probably have to play him eventually. Like they're, they're going to start at some him. point. Probably. They're going to start him. I don't are, think they might want to start George Hill. Just, I don't think you know, why, why waste. I agree uh, with you. I think they should start Colin Sexton. Yeah, but either. I think he's a dark horse candidate. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, let's do most improved player of the year. This is kind of hard, but uh, I'll just go first. I did Josh Jackson because. <laughs> I'm super high on him. Okay, I'm super high on him. You love Josh and Jackson. I think I really do think he's gonna because the second half of the season he played a lot better than the first half, and so I I think you'll have a great year. Um, year number two. Okay, 
Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that not many people know. His name is Christian Wood. He comes off the bench for the Bucks, mm. and uh, nice pick. and and that guy, this guy is a, a guy who is uh, like sort of sort of struggled to make it in the league. He's been on the end of a lot of benches in the NBA. He's been sure. in the G League for a little bit, and he, he's starting to show out this year with the Bucks. I mean, if you look at uh, his stats in the preseason, they've, they've been pretty amazing. Uh, and I know he comes off the bench, but I think he's a really interesting candidate for most improved player because. For me, it's the, really the player that comes out of nowhere, and I I think Christian Wood carries this preseason success into the regular season. I think he wins most improved player. Okay, that's a really that's out a, of the ballpark yeah, type pick. A, yeah. I, I I heard the name before Christian Wood, but I didn't know anything else about him. He uh, plays power been, forward, right? Yeah, yeah power he plays he plays power forward. Power he was yeah, with the yeah. Hornets last year, but he never played. Okay, but this year he's he's really improved his game, and he's okay. coming off the bench for the Bucks, and he's playing well. Did you see this somewhere? Or you just like you just. Out of the blue, no, you just picked this. No, I, I've been seeing a lot of Christian Wood highlights. Okay. been really impressed. That's yeah. a very interesting pick. Go ahead. Uh, on the Hornets as well, I think Jeremy Lamb might be an interesting candidate to yeah. have a really good year. Right. Uh, I think he's going to have a lot more freedom this year than he did in the past. Not that he was really constrained before, but I think he might be an interesting dark horse candidate for this. Uh, I think my main pick, though, I think Julius Randle is going to have a really good year. Is he going to come off the bench, or is he a starter? No, Julius, but, but, uh, uh, Jeremy Lamb or, or Julius Randle? Julius, I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure if he comes okay. off the bench or not, and it, it fully depends on what, uh, how, how Alvin Gentry wants to, to structure his lineup. Because if you want to play, I think they're they're optimal. The problem with with the Pelicans is they don't have a good player at the three, no matter what they do. Hmm. Playing Nikola Meritich at the three is not like their best option. So hmm. I think their best starting lineup has Meritich at the four and Davis at the five, Drew Holiday uh, at the one, and then fill in where you can from there. Uh, I'm not sure where Julius Randle slots in. I know he's going to be in that three-man, big-man rotation. That's what I do know. And I think okay. he is going to fill a great role and get a lot of touches in the post. Because he can just... And the, the most important thing is he is a switch killer. If you switch onto Julius Randle, anybody who is shorter and weaker than him, he will destroy them. He will go through them. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that. I think he'll score a lot, and I think he'll rebound really well. Yeah. And he had a really, he had a really, really strong season in LA last year for those who were paying attention to LA, which not that many people were because they weren't that good. I mean, I was paying attention to in the second half. That's when he really came yeah. on. And Julius Randle, yeah. and he basically outpriced them right. by playing as well as he did. Uh, yeah. Cool. I think Tobias Harris is also a dark horse here. Oh, yeah, Tobias Harris is a good, good, good one. It's a good one. Uh, defensive player of the year. Go ahead, Vikram. You start first. Uh, my defensive player of the year. I'm going to go with Rudy Gobert. Uh, this is a health thing. If he's healthy, I think he's going to win regular season defensive player of the year. He wasn't healthy last year, and he still won it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, this, yeah, this I, pretty I, much I, tells the story. If he, if he's, I, I think he's going to have to be more healthy because I think people like Joel Embiid right. are, are going to be healthy and also have tremendous defensive impact. Uh, I do think he has a really, really good shot of it because he anchors one of the best defenses in the league, and on top of that, he's a really good individual defender in the regular season. I think there are ways to scheme him off in the playoffs, and we saw a lot of that type of issue uh, when the Jazz were playing the Rockets. But in general, I would say he's the best defensive defensive player in the league in the regular season. Go ahead, Gur. Me, uh, I was also going to go with Rudy, Rudy Gobert. 
but just like um, just to like make a different pick, uh, I'd go with Draymond Green. He says he's motivated to win it this year, <laughs> after falling off the map sort of last year in the voting. <laughs> and uh, I mean, when he says he's motivated, I, I think he means that he's one sure. of those guys who like gets yeah, motivated so. by such things. Sure. Yeah. That's a good so pick. I uh, I think I think Draymond Green finds a way to win it this year. You can't argue with either pick. I mean, it could yeah. be them easily. I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard. And mm. it's, a, it's a kind of a shot here because I think he'll have a bounce back here and I think he'll anchor that Toronto defense to being top three. Mm. So it's a, it's a bit of a shot in the ballpark, but I think it'll happen. Yeah. And then my MVP is also Kawhi Leonard, by the way. Okay. Hey, dark horse, dark horse <laughs> yeah, on the dark defensive horse. player. I'm just, I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I'm I don't think he's that dark horse. Uh, I don't think he's that much of a dark horse for MVP. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I don't think, I don't no, think no, he's no, actually so that for much DPOY, of a dark Yeah. DPOY, how Toronto plays. Look, if Toronto finishes first in the East, he's... He could be both. up there as a candidate yeah. for sure. Yeah, I uh, I, I think mean, a, a dark horse for DPOI is, uh, is Anthony Davis could be a really good. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah. That's He's another one, one of those. Uh, there there are a couple players so like Kawhi Leonard's on this list, uh, Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid, players who could win both DPOI and MVP. Yeah, I think Anthony Davis has got the best shot of. Who's your MVP by the way? Uh, my MVP. I'm a little split between picking Giannis or Anthony Davis. I'm not sure. Which. Can't go wrong. I mean, and so really the great. reason, yeah. my my, the hard part here is, you're looking for a, a good playoff team, that only has, one real superstar on it, and so, like in that construct, there's not that many teams that occur. Like I don't think, Seth Curry or Kevin Durant can really win it. Mm-hmm. I think James Harden is actually going to take a pretty significant step back next year. Maybe not numerically, but I think the Rockets are going to take a step back. So I think that's going to take away from his... I don't think the Rockets are necessarily going to take a step back. It's just like the expectations are so much higher this year. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win 65 I, I, games. I don't think James Harden could possibly have a better year than he had last year. I don't think they're going to win 65 games. I think they are going to take a step back, if just because they don't care as much about the regular season anymore. Mm-hmm. Just like the Warriors went from 73 wins to whatever the hell else the next year and still won the championship, right? Mm-hmm. So in that respect, I think they're going to take a significant step back. I think James Harden is going to, given how he gets tired in the playoffs somehow, some way, I think he's going to take the foot off a little bit in the in the regular season. I think he's going to get more rest in the regular season, too. Uh, I think Chris Paul is going to look not as great. I mean, he's aging, no matter how you, you slice that. So, given that, I don't think uh, he's going to be... He's really going to be a, a great candidate for MVP this year. I think LeBron's going to win MVP this year. LeBron James. Very possibly. I mean, you can, you can argue that he's the MVP every year. Okay, let's just start off by saying that, but... If you if you want to like look at the statistics I'm like referring to, he hasn't won he has not won MVP in a while. So I mean it's it's still it would be relatively fresh in people's minds. Also, he's carrying a Laker team with not much else. I mean a Laker team who wasn't in the playoffs last year. So if the Lakers are a top four seed in the vaunted Western Conference and they prove to be competitive, and uh, LeBron's a big reason why, I think I think he'd be the MVP. Plus he's in the LA market. All of these things matter. Yeah, like the reporters he, are there. And sure, the reporters yeah, are there. Probably. He has the best story to tell. Like yeah. part of winning the MVP, what what's what's your backstory? Yeah, storyline matters. Yeah, that matters. And I think LeBron, being in the place that he's in and being the situation that he's in, has the best opportunity to create that storyline. Yeah. yeah. Sure. By the way, my my dark horse DPOY Jimmy Butler, if he goes to Miami, because <laughs> Miami's got a pretty good defensive team. He goes there, maybe he could win it. I mean, yeah, well, he's playing. He's playing pretty, pretty good defense now. He, uh, against the uh, against. Yeah. I mean, against the Timberwolves front office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Hey. Fair you enough. get it, Vikram? Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> he's not gonna smile at all. <laughs> it's like eleven thirty, guys. Come on, now. <laughs> that's true. No, but uh, 
I think I think it's going to be a fun season this year, even though I do think the Warriors are going to win it all again. So, as predictable. So, it's going to be a boring be. season anyways. I don't know. <laughs> is it only interesting if the South League's going to win? Yes. <laughs> well, the South League's going to win. Celtics there you go. Yes. There right, you go. Cool. Celtics can cool. win. I'll watch it then. Yeah. You never know. All right. Cool. Well, this was fun. It was fun doing this after such a long time. So uh, Very fun. Yeah. Uh, until next time, guys. Catch you soon. Yeah, we'll try to do this more, more frequently. We'll see if that happens. <laughs>